electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. This was one of those days where, unexpectedly, it all came together for the bulls. Dow advancing 47 points, S&P gained 0.52%, but the Nasdaq jumped 0.9%. With today's strength, it's important to note that the Nasdaq and the S&P both finished the month of February at record highs, something I regard as quite simply amazing, given all the woe and worry that we endlessly hear about. What fueled today's rally? Well, it's actually a complex formula of emotion and empirical data where a widespread sense of negativity gets proven wrong and a remembrance of why we like stocks shines brightly, smashing the all-encompassing gloom. House of pleasure. Let's start with the setup. We get a lot of data from all sorts of places, don't we? The Census Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics, Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, S&P Global, the Commerce Department, and so many of these things, and your eyes just glaze over. Often these figures really don't mean a hill of beans. But periodically, when the Fed is in play, they can mean everything, especially if you know that the Fed cares about some pieces of data more than others. Right now, the Fed is very much in play. We've been getting some hot economic data of late, suggesting that they don't have much reason to cut interest rates, which is unfortunate because rate cuts are like oxygen for the bulls. Fortunately, there are numbers that can counteract the no-rate-cut scenario. And, for example, today, we got a cooler-than-expected U.S. personal consumption expenditures number from the Bureau of Economic Analysis in the Commerce Department. Now, I know that sounds like authentic a Wall Street gibberish, but this number is the Fed's favorite gauge of inflation, and it came in right. Going into this personal consumption expenditures reading, or PCE, we had a bunch of wayward days where the market was basically doing nothing because traders didn't want to get caught. They didn't want to react to anything, given that this number was waiting in the wings. This morning, at the ridiculous hours that I get up, I'm watching CNBC, and you can see the S&P 500 futures going down, 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 based on nothing. Maybe fear? We didn't have anything of import last night. The negativity coursed through both the stock and then the much larger bond market. Everything's selling off with real intensity as the morning marched on. Again, no particular reason other than fear. 
And then at 8.30 a.m., we get the hallowed PCE report. And frankly, it was perfect. House of pleasure. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. Uh, up just 2.8% year over year. Fed likes that number. Bond yields fell. S&P futures reversed, and the bears were completely picked off, leading the wrong way. Now, if the S&P 500 futures had been up ahead of this number that the Fed regards as all important, it wouldn't have mattered, right? We wouldn't have had a big gain, Good, but we were down because there was so much negativity, and that made all the difference. If you're bullish, you live for days like this one, where all the supposedly genius short sellers need to either undo their bets or get stampeded. Do you know what the biggest negative bet is in this market? Think about it. Do you know what the self-prescribed bubble bears have been waging war against, telling you that it's all phony hokum? Yeah, artificial intelligence, that's what. We've seen stocks flying up on hopes of AI for months now, but lately it kind of felt like they were topping out, didn't it? Lots of stocks have been doing just okay in the last few days. And we did have that excellent NVIDIA number last Wednesday. However, on Wall Street, eight days is a long time ago, and we haven't had any new data points since then. I kept hearing that the NVIDIA quarter marked the peak of the AI craze. So put yourself into the heads of these wise guy professionals. First, they, they think they're going to win on this inflation number that's Toto for the bulls. Toto meaning to, uh, turn off the auction. Wrong. Second, they feel like with a little bit of pushing, maybe today could be the beginning of the end of the AI bubble. Pop! For that to happen, though, we need some AI disappointment, some tech negativity. These things don't roll over in a vacuum, do they? Now, there was a moment last night where the bears felt incredibly emboldened. Snowflake reported, and if you watched last night's show, you know the company gave you a pretty darn disappointing outlook. At the same time, Salesforce, a Dow component, gave you a forecast that was a couple of percentage points light of what the bulls were expecting. And people were saying, hey, you know what? That was wrong, too. Okay, Snowflake was indeed disconcerting, but a close reading of the Salesforce conference call told you that companies are hiring Salesforce like mad. Hey, look, I mean, if you heard Mark Benioff on the show, you would have known that. The data cloud that they have helps enterprises use their data to improve sales, and it's racking up extraordinary numbers. CEO Mark Benioff said this is the best it's ever been for the company in one particular cloud that they're offering. It's a virtual explosion of spending on AI. Mark joins Bill McDermott from ServiceNow and talking about how big this AI opportunity is, not in the future. Right now, actual numbers. That's right, actual numbers, not pie in the sky. So a stock that was down 15 points on its outlook actually climbs out of a hole after the conference call and while it retreats at the opening today, then blasts off during the day and finishes up 3%, taking a lot of stocks with it. Then this morning, like a lightning bolt, we get a report from a usually tempered analyst, old hand vet Chris Daly from City, who threw a grenade into the bear's den with a note that says, still wildly bullish on semis. I mean, Daly blew the bears to smithereens. He loves the AI thesis. That's terrific because next week, HP, the old Hewlett Packard, will have NVIDIA's Jensen Wong on stage, AMD's Lisa Su, ouch, only virtually, talking about the new artificial intelligence PC that HP's been talking about endlessly and I've been telling you about at last. Hey, by the way, I've told you that this is going to be a seminal thing. You'll be talking your PC all day instead of doing work. Then to make things really interesting, Best Buy, the electronics chain, offers a fairly tepid view of things but says that there are two standouts to watch. A Samsung fund a Samsung phone that is full of AI that is selling well. And Meta's Ray-Bans, the ones I keep telling you about, are selling just like hotcakes. 
They take pictures. They take calls. They take messages. And by the way, they look like regular Ray-Bans, not as like you're like an idiot walking around town. All these tidbits combined to send up some of the now magnificent seven, well, kind of ragtag seven, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, and of course, NVIDIA, which is a given if the redoubtable Jensen Wong speaks in Vegas about PCs next week. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who are worried about the decline in the stock of Apple. I see it just as a lull, a lull that will refresh. I'm not changing my view, which is own it, don't trade it. If you listen to the CEO of Best Buy, Corey Barry, talk this morning about the red-hot Samsung phone, well, you can see the future of what Apple has to be working on. AI in your hand. What are people liking about the Samsung phone? I think a lot of things that Apple can duplicate or exceed. The circle to search function, offering discovery in your phone with a simple gesture. How about generative edits to transform your photos? Find the right words fast with a chat assist. And maybe the most exciting thing, live translation on a phone. Okay, I know, it's a Samsung phone. But can you imagine how hard it is to get anyone to buy a Samsung phone? And it is selling. I mean, come on. If Apple can just get a beat on half of these things for the iPhone 16, then you know it'll be an incredible upgrade cycle. You're selling Apple into into perhaps the new generation of AI? Now, there were some laggers. Of course, I get that. There are plenty of safety stocks that weren't so safe. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if the rally continues tomorrow given that the PC and server giant Dell shot the lights out after the close today. One more data point showing that tech's got a lot more strength than people think. But the bottom line, what mattered was the one-two punch of an economy that's just right, meaning still potentially ripe for rate cuts. It could happen. And the fact that AI is alive and well. It reminds us why you can't leave stocks. Even if you think we've had a nice run so far this year, it'd be safer to move to the sidelines. Stay long, today said, right? And you can, indeed, make more money than those bonds that beckon so many in a way too crowded trade that's not for us. Macy in Illinois. Macy. Booyah, Jim. Here's Macy. All right, what's happening? Go me in, Chief. Eight years old, and I love playing Roblox with my friends, and I want to know what Jim thinks about Roblox stock. That kid's got horse sense. I mean, because I'm liking Roblox very much. I, I like that last quarter. And a lot of it is because the kids realize that this is a smart way to learn. I wish I had it. All we ever did was play Monopoly, and I would dump the board if I lost. Let's go to Smitty in South Carolina. Smitty. Jimmy Chill, how are you today? I'm chilling. What's happening? Yeah, Jimmy, um, great meeting last week, by the way. Thank um, you. Fantastic. But, Jim, the reason for my call today is um, I currently own CrowdStrike. And now with Palo Alto trading a little bit less than CrowdStrike, would you recommend that I flip over to uh, uh, Palo Alto? No, I'm, I'm not going to tell you to sell, at. George. I mean, look, I th- look, Palo Alto was brutal, I know, but we, we knew, because you obviously saw the presentation, we pushed, we pushed Palo Alto very hard and made some money back. But I don't, there's no reason to sell what George has got. George is doing incredibly well. I'm speaking about George Curtis, the CEO of CrowdStrike. Let's just stay long and enjoy. Let's go to Ann in Indiana. Ann. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. It was a wonderful annual meeting as a club member. Really Thank appreciate you. your efforts. Can't even Thank imagine you. how hard you work. But calling about Kava. So I got on about a quarter of a position. I just trimmed after the parabolic move. But could you please help me figure out if I don't get a full position on, how do I know when to just close it out and move uh. on to the next? You know you cut me to the quick. It's one of the toughest questions. The Kava quarter was brilliant. I didn't think it would be as good as it would be. I think you just stay long. You're, you're, and you're, look, you're playing 
Uh, small position. Let it run. That's all I can say. We'll re- if it ever drops back to 40, we'll pull the trigger, but just let it run. All right, today's performance reminds us why you just can't leave stocks for the sidelines, even if you think we've had a nice run so far in 2024. Today's moves say, don't go. On my money tonight, Hormel reported a quarter that was just nuts. I'm learning more about how the planner's acquisition helped drive the company's strength, and I've got to tell you, they know nothing. The sellers know nothing. Then I added a name to our Chapel Trust for the investing club after talking to the CEO at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference earlier in the year. I'll reveal what it is and why I think the stock has a lot more room to run. And Semper announced a 20% increase to its capital plan, brings $48 billion they're going to spend. I'm wondering how the money is going to spend and what's it going to mean for climate change. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. The S&P 500 had an unlikely champion today in Hormel Foods, which led the index higher as it rallied nearly 15% response to a phenomenal quarter. I call Hormel an unlikely champion because the whole package food space has been out of favor for a while now. Wall Street's worrying about the GOP-1 weight loss drugs. Plus, Hormel had a big gap down last October when it rolled out some long-term financial targets that Wall Street didn't really love. In fact, a little over two weeks ago, this stock hit a 52-week low. But this morning, Hormel reported a stunning quarter with better-than-expected sales driven by 4% value growth, not pricing, volume, and a 7% earnings beat off a 34-cent basis. That's really big. While management didn't raise the four-year forecast, the quarter itself was so strong that it sent the stock into the stratosphere. Can it keep flying? Why don't we check in with Jim Snee? He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Hormel Foods to get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Snee, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, it's great to be back with you, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right, so, Jim, this is just a stunning quarter. A lot of people didn't see it coming. Can you give us the breakdown of what made it happen? 
Yeah, it was a really strong quarter, Jim. And what was really nice about it, it was so broad-based in the success. It was across all of our business segments, retail, food service, international, marked improvement in our supply chain over a year ago. You know, inventories down, fill rates up. Really, by, by any measure, as you look, uh, look across the spectrum, a really high-quality beat by the team. Now, uh, there's been volume growth in food service and international. Uh, that was really kind of a – reminds me of a pure growth company, not what I'm seeing from a lot of the other companies in your category. Yeah, you know, our, our food service business really is operating from a, a strong advantage position. We've talked about it over the years where it is so, so mature in terms of the portfolio they've developed, the relationships they've developed, the direct selling organization. And it's all about creating solutions for the operators. You know, our international business had a tough year last year. It bounced back earlier than we thought this year. But we know that they're on track for a, another good year in 2024, and that's really nice to, to see. Now, I always knew, and we talked about many years when you got planners, that planners would become a standout because it's really the only brand that we want in this segment, frankly. But I didn't think it could come on this strong. What do you think happened that it just really ignited? Yeah, well, we're really excited. We've really hit our stride with planters, Jim. And again, you know, we think about the innovation that we've put into the market and that we're bringing forth. And so, you know, I think we, we sent you some great innovation with our planters duos, which is really exciting. Last year, we launched our flavored cashews and a specific advertising campaign against it. We've gained distribution. You know, we've increased our advertising against it. We've changed our advertising strategy. You know, last couple of years, we had done Super Bowl ads. And this year, we've moved to an always on campaign, a new campaign, Ah Nuts which is really uh, connecting with consumers. I like You know, the one thing I'd mentioned, I I mentioned flavored cashews. And what's really exciting for us is the way that it's connecting with a younger consumer. It's bringing a younger consumer into the category. And that's really what we knew we could do. Well, I see something else happening in addition to that, Jim. Uh, On these GOP-1 drugs, a lot of people worried about food companies. I look at your portfolio and it is uniquely set up. Because people aren't getting enough protein. That's what all the doctors will tell you, that the big problem with the GOP test ones is frailty because it loses muscle as well as fat. When I look at your portfolio, you've got the protein portfolio. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Jim. We are so well positioned with this protein portfolio that we've built. And, you know, one of the things that we are very intentional about is always thinking about the balance. And so, you know, we think about affordable protein, we think about indulgent protein, we think about natural and organic protein. Um, we've got meat, non-meat protein. So, so really, you know, no matter how you think about our portfolio, you're gonna encounter protein, which is a really important part of any, any diet program. And especially with, with these new weight loss drugs that are all the rage. It also seems like you're gaining share in almost every single one of your verticals. Yeah, our team's doing a great job. I mean, we're maintaining or gaining share with so many of our retail brands. You know, you mentioned planters. It'd be remiss not to mention the the Skippy brand. And like I said at the outset, this is really broad-based beat. And so that's what's really exciting for us. Within our retail segment, strong volumes, food service continuing on their trajectory and really nice recovery in the international business. At the same time, we can't forget Applegate still going strong the whole time, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Stephen McDonald uh, says hi. Oh, thank uh, you. But the portfolio oh, continues to resonate with uh, with consumers. We continue to innovate with Applegate and expand distribution. That's it's on target. It's on trend. And it's a, a business and a brand that we continue to invest in. Now, Justin's is a brand that I see young people eating all the time. I mean, just having to know enough young people to know that this is the preferred brand. How big of a how big can that nameplate be? Yeah, you know, it's it is a bit of a specialty brand, you know, and when we think about nut butters in particular, almond butter, that is more of a niche play, but it is does have a broad-based portfolio and we've seen great growth in confections. You know, and so when I when I talked earlier about, you know, having value protein or indulgent protein, that's a great example of indulgent protein that sets our portfolio up for success. Now, the last thing I need to ask is I I can't avoid talking spam, teriyaki spam, maple spam, uh, boutique items, collector's items, or good to eat. What do you think? Great to eat, Jim. You know that. Um, Maple spam is the latest flavor that we've introduced. You know, you think back to pumpkin spice spam. you know, figgy pudding spam, now maple spam. I will tell you, I'll give you a sneak preview. We've got a couple of, of really neat flavors still yet to come in the next year or so. And so you have my promise that when those are, are ready to go, I'll bring them back to you. But the spam team continues to do a great job. The spam brand continues to resonate with consumers. And again, back to the topic we just talked about, a great affordable source of protein that is, is meeting all of the consumer's needs. Well, look, you've got the right portfolio. It's terrific. The numbers are shining. And congratulations, Jim, for just an amazing quarter. Good to talk to you again. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Good to see you, okay. Jim. Okay. That's Jim Stee, CEO of Hormel, HRL. Amazing. Amazing quarter. The best in the whole food group. Bad Money's back after the break. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Earlier this year, we came back from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco. We were brimming with ideas for new healthcare investments, and I gave you my top five. Among them, we already owned Eli Lilly for the Chapel Trust. It's up more than 20% since then. You know why I love that story. But there was another big story from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference that caused us to buy one of these stocks for the Chapel Trust. I'm talking about ABT, yet Abbott Labs, the medical technology company. We started buying Abbott on January 29th after the stock pulled back a couple bucks. And since then, it's off to a nice start. The Chapel Trust now is up more than 5% of the position, which, of course, you would know if you had joined the CBC Investing Club. And I think Abbott, frankly, I think it's just getting started. 
which is why tonight I want to walk you through the story in depth and why I like it so much, especially after its most recent quarter. Of course, I've been a fan of Abbott Labs for years. This company is a terrific innovator, particularly in diabetes management and the cardiology space. The stock was a long-term outperformer under the legendary former CEO, Miles White, who passed the torch to Robert Ford in March of 2020. We used to own Abbott for the Chapel Trust, too, holding it from 2017 until 2022, and we caught a double by the time we sold it. We had to sell it back then because Abbott had a huge COVID testing business, and that was going to unwind as the pandemic went away. We didn't want to get caught with a COVID hangover. Like so many other pandemic winners, Abbott had indeed that post-COVID hangover as the year-over-year declines from their COVID franchise obscured the basic strength in the rest of their business. Then adding insult to injury, the stock sold off last summer as part of the GOP-1 weight loss drug scare when investors dumped anything that might conceivably be hurt by a decline in obesity or in diabetes. By the time the stock finally bottomed just below $90 last October, it was down more than 37% from its all-time high in December of 2021. That's a big decline. Since then, though, Abbott's been on a roll. The stock had already charged back to 112 and changed by the time we spoke to Robert Ford at the J.P. Morgan conference. And since then, it's just tacked on another six points. The bookcase here is fairly simple. With the post-COVID hangover now fully in the rearview mirror, Wall Street can go back to appreciating the strength of Abbott's core businesses. And there's a lot of strength here as the company has double-digit growth across most of its main divisions. But the swing factor for me came last month when Ford explained that the growing adoption of GLP-1s is not a threat to Abbott Labs. If anything, he sees this as an opportunity. People who get prescriptions for GLP-1s tend to become better stewards of themselves. They take care of themselves better. And if they have diabetes, that means they're more likely to use Abbott's continuous blood sugar monitor. At the same time, the protein shakes and powders will sell much better because GLP-1 users need to consume a ton of protein to prevent themselves from losing too much muscle mass. Just as important, on January 24th, Abbott reported initially Wall Street didn't even like it. I, I thought there was a lot to like of it right at the top, but the company delivered a small revenue beat. It's higher than expected organic growth. That's what I care about, especially when you include the COVID test business, 15.5% or 4% organic growth in the medical device division specifically. Although the earnings were only in line, Abbott's full-year forecast, which is what I was looking for, was strong. For me, the big takeaway from the quarter is that Abbott's core growth rate, the organic growth rate, excluding the COVID business, is now structurally higher than it was before the pandemic. And that was pretty shocking. Pre-2020, they averaged 7 to 8% organic growth. That's already <laughs> great, right? But this year, they're talking about 8 to 10% organic growth, excluding the COVID business. That's remarkable. When Ford was asked about this in the conference call, he explained that Abbott used its COVID testing windfall to reinvest in the business, improving some already quite strong franchises. And now those investments are paying off. Ford went through each of the company's businesses and laid out everything Abbott's done to improve them, ultimately painting a very compelling picture of the whole company. I ate it up. Now, if you wanted to quibble, companies for your earnings per share guidance, 450 to 470, was merely in line with what Wall Street was looking for. But I'm not particularly concerned about that. It wasn't a miss. After all, and I think management's merely offering a projection that I think they feel confident they could be. I'd also add that Abbott has increased its dividend. This is really important. Dividend payout for 52 consecutive years, making this a true stock dividend aristocrat. Although right now it seems less impressive than it used to, given that it's yielding less than 2%, but that's because the stock's going up so much, not because they have a low dividend. Apart from the quarter, we've gotten some big news from Abbott on the new product development front. In January, the company announced that their Volt pulsed field ablation system for patients with heart rhythm disorders like atrial fibrillation has already started being tested on humans, which affects a very big, sadly, huge market. 
Abbott thinks they can get a thumbs up from the FDA for his U.S. clinical trial sometime in the first half of the year. And I want to highlight one more development. On January 31st, Abbott announced the launch of its Protality branded protein shakes. Now, these are specifically designed for people taking the GLP-1 drugs. Those are the ones that cause you to lose both fat, okay, good, and muscle, bad, in roughly equal proportions. One day they'll make it so it only loses fat, but right now these you can get real frail using these medicines. Abbott describes these protein shakes as, and I quote, the first product to support the growing number of adult interested in pursuing weight loss while maintaining muscle mass and good nutrition, end quote. I already told you that Abbott's existing protein business could benefit from the GLP-1 theme, but I didn't realize that the company would try to maximize this opportunity by developing a new brand specifically targeting the GLP-1 crowd. I think it's a very smart move, especially because as you get older, if you take these drugs, you become very frail. You can get hurt. This is what you need because you tend not to want to eat dinner because you're so full by lunchtime. Only when we get back from San Francisco after the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in early January, I gave you a few of my top ideas in the healthcare sector, and those names have on average done pretty well over the past month and a half. But other than Eli Lilly, the one I like best here is Abbott Labs, which is why we got back into it for the Chapel Trust after the market incorrectly abandoned the stock after its most recent quarter. So let me give you the bottom line. Okay, so we got a nice little gain in Abbott Labs for the Chapel Trust, but it's, look, I, we wouldn't have bought it if we only thought that the stock had 5% upside. I'm expecting much bigger gains here over time. So it's not too late to pick up some Abbott yourself. And hey, to put on my shameless self-promotion at, if you join the investing club, We'll help you do the homework. Let's take calls. Let's start with Joe in North Carolina. Joe. Hey, Jim. Hey, listen, again, I want to thank you for your advice over the years. I've been a viewer since day one. And your advice in regards to uh, Apple, Microsoft, and NVIDIA have allowed me to retire after my military career. Spent a lot of time with my family. So God bless you, and thank you very much. Oh, my. First, thank you for serving. And second, it means a lot to me that you pointed at some of these out. You know, the, these are not these are a big deal for me. And uh, and to hear from someone like you who has served for this country and done so much good and you've been able to retire. Well, then we did good ourselves. And that makes me and I'm looking at Regina Gilden, my unbelievable, great executive producer. She and I were with each other on this last weekend's investment club uh, conference. It just I'm not tearing up, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about what you said. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right, Jim, can I ask a quick question in regards sure. to CRISPR? I was on the show a couple of weeks ago on the lightning round, and I asked about CRISPR. Uh, it's a uh, gene editing therapy, and I know it's a spec stock. Uh, I bought it in the 40s. It, it hit, um, you know, it hit 70s. It's in the 70s or low 80s right now. But my question to you is, I got a couple hundred shares to uh, plus up my retirement income. Would it be okay to, like, sell a covered call, uh, take some ah. premium out? You know, I don't want you to, you know, sir, you'd be, you'd be capping your upside. If you really feel like that you don't think there's that much upside, you want to do that, I suggest that you sell a quarter of the position rather than cap your upside. I don't like that. If something goes wrong, you have to sell, you have to buy back the call. There's just a lot of different things that could go wrong in that situation. Let's take a quarter off the table, and as it goes, say another 10 to 15%, which I think you can, we'll take another quarter off, and then we're just playing with the house's money big time. So that's that's my suggestion to you, and thank you for the incredibly kind words. By the way, I happen to like CRISPR very much. Let's go to Jeff in New York. Jeff. Hello, Mr. Kramer. This is yes. Jeff from Sotus, New York, on the All south right. shore of Lake Ontario. Well, there you go. Beautiful. What's up? Everyone in this area is very excited about the full solar eclipse that's happening April 8th. Due oh. to our vicinity to the lake and the chance of clouds, there's uncertainty about being able to see this amazing event. 
this reminds you of the company that I'm calling about that has been rising in the last four months, but has hit a snag recently while waiting for an uncertain approval by the FDA. Can you help predict the future and tell us that there'll be sunny skies for us and for Avita Medical, RCEL? Well, I almost feel better about the sunny skies because I do not know this company. I think people should understand it. I do not know the calls ahead of time, and I don't know the stocks ahead of time. And I do not know Avita Medical. I have to do some work. I sure hope you get a beautiful solar eclipse of some of the most exciting things in the world. I love these two calls. All right, now, look, we got a nice little gain in Abbott Labs. The us. It's not enough. I'm expecting much bigger gains to come. Robert Ford's doing a great job. That's why I think it's not too late to pick up some ABT yourself. Much more man money, including my students, with Sempra. Oh, man. Man, what a quarter. Natural gas prices not recovering from the peak. What should we make of the state of natural gas here? How about solar? How about hydrogen? They know it all. We'll talk to the top brass. Then we're hearing a lot about the impact of these GLP-1 drugs I just mentioned. What is the single best way to invest in the theme? Well, I'm going to give you some names beyond just Abbott like I did. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Now that earnings season is mostly wrapped up, I want to circle back to some of the great quarters that seem to have flown under the radar. Take Sempra, one of my favorite growth utility companies. It's got regulated gas and electric utility exposure in California and Texas. they got a big energy infrastructure business with natural gas pipelines in Mexico. They've got a liquefied natural gas export facility in Louisiana and more export terminals on the way. Earlier this week, Sempra reported a nice earnings beat. More important, I thought, was management raised the midpoint of its full-year earnings guidance uh, and gave a strong outlook for their 2025 fiscal year as well. Also raised their long-term capital expenditure plan by 20% because of so many growth opportunities. Of course, the stock's down 5% for the year because the market's got little interest in utilities. But is it possible you're getting a chance to buy into a terrific long-term growth story at a discount? Let's take a closer look with Jeffrey Martin. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Sempra to learn more about what's going on at this terrific utility. Mr. Martin, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. It's great to be back on with you. Oh, I'm thrilled you're here, Jeffrey. You're spending $48 billion worth of investments. What will the people be getting for that money, and why do you need to spend so much? Yes, sir. It's an exciting time for our company. We increased our capital plan roughly $8 billion, and that will allow us to fund several strategic initiatives. Number one, grid modernization, as well as key investments in safety and reliability. Plus, it gives us some investments to allow us to move renewables onto grid at a faster pace. So I think over half this increase, Jim, will be uh, allocated to our Texas operations, where we're seeing significant growth. The balance will largely go here in California, where we serve just over 25 million consumers. I think the key takeaway is a $48 billion record capital plan really lays out a roadmap for our future growth and should support rate-based growth at our utilities at between 9 and 10 percent. Well, could you give us a feel with Texas and California? You've got some, you're a huge percent of the GDP in our country. I mean, frankly, those two states are like countries. What are the states of those two? Because we know politically they're very different, but it seems like both of them are doing pretty well. Yeah, I would just start by saying this, you know, remember, we're an energy infrastructure company and you and I have had this conversation before, but we've long talked about the importance of strategy. It's an opportunity to organize our assets and employees and investment to create a competitive advantage in the marketplace. And we've done that in two key ways. Number one, making sure we build leadership positions in large economic markets, just like Texas and California. And secondly, making sure we're investing narrowly in the energy grid where we think it has 
the best risk reward return for our investors. And I'll start with California. We've got a $24 billion program here, Jim. This state has made a commitment to be an energy leader, and it really translates into electrification of the economy. And for our company, as a large network owner, our job is to green the grid, make sure we make investments in safety and reliability, and that translates into a $24 billion campaign in the state of California. Moving briefly to Texas, that economy is on fire, right? Electricity demand is going up. The need to modernize and expand the grid is increasing. And our business there, we're the majority owner of Encore. It's the state's largest utility. And they, too, have launched a $24 billion capital program. So it doesn't stop there, right? We're also making LNG investments in Texas. And I've told people, we expect to be the largest capital investor in the state of Texas through the end of this decade. Very impressive. Because those, wow, I mean, you're, you're going to be the biggest creator of jobs through the end of this decade. Now, you mentioned about electrification in California. I understand that even though there seems to be this ennui about EVs in the rest of the country, electric cars are still selling very well there. And 23% of San Diego has rooftop solar. So California is still going and going and going with what I regard as being a, a very uh, fear of climate change strategy. Look, there's no question this state leads the United States in electric vehicle penetration. And here in San Diego, we've got one of the highest penetration rates of any city in the United States with over 140,000 electric vehicles. And you're right. We lead the nation in supporting rooftop solar. And beyond that, roughly 55 percent of all the power we deliver to our customers comes from renewables here in the state. So we're very serious about electrifying the economy. And it really bodes well for those folks who are making investments to modernize the grid to meet these public policy mandates. Now, there were people who, uh, really a shudder went through me for knowing what you guys want to do with LNG, we look for natural gas, when the president said, listen, we got to pause development. But you are doing things already that can't be stopped, correct? And it's been, these are gigantic projects. Yeah, it's really interesting. Let me give a little bit of context for your viewing audience. Today, the United States is the global leader in the export of liquefied natural gas, or LNG. And going forward, we expect that that will continue and have the opportunity to actually double America's capacity because of the continued demand we see from both Europe and Asia, as well as the need to displace coal from power production. The key takeaway on the Department of Energy issue is it is impacting the sector, but at SEMPRA, we believe the long-term fundamentals of LNG are intact, particularly for U.S. LNG. And our company, Jim, you hit it correctly. We've got two very large construction projects that are fully permitted and moving forward. And we have a series of other development projects that are fully permitted. Here's the key takeaway. It's important for people to understand that the United States is truly a force for good in the global energy markets. And you know this one better than anyone else. We have the deepest capital markets. We've got the rule of law that allows for sanctity of contracts, which is essential for international commerce. And Jim, we have an abundance of natural gas, and that means low price and low price volatility. So from our perspective, we're fairly confident that this permit issue gets resolved. But we're also confident that America will continue to be a global leader in the energy markets and with respect to sustainable business practices at SIPRA, we believe those two things can coexist together. And the real winner, if we do our job, will be the American worker 
and America's allies that get improved energy security and a lower carbon footprint. Well, you've got a view of the world that I think every American shares. That's a terrific way to view Sempra, which, you know, I long think is really the only utility that I want to own because you've got a great plan <laughs> going forward. No, I mean it. That's your growth utility. I love that. Jeff Barnard, Chairman, President, CEO of Sempra. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great to see you again. Thank you, Jim. Good to be on with you. Everybody's yeah, back after the break. It is time. It's time for the light round. Good pass. Our Bob Goldberg's here to talk to you about your play in the sound. And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Over the light round. Let's start with Chuck in Arizona. Chuck. Booyah, Jimmy. Whoa, fired up. Way to start the lighting round. What's going on? Uh, oh, your 1979 film Kramer versus Kramer was a favorite of mine, just to let you know. Yeah, so unfortunately, it was, it was fact, not fiction. What's going on? Okay, uh, back in December, Karen Epperson reported that 2024 is going to be a five-year record for engagement. With that said, you need to get your girls some bling rings. Jim, I believe Signet Jewelers will be in the right space for this event. What do you think? I agree with you entirely. I think Jenna Drozos is doing a remarkable job. She has just been just changing the stores radically, and yet people are still well behind because the multiple's way too low. you got a, a winner there. Let's go to Joshua in North Carolina. Joshua. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, how you doing today, buddy? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I wanted to thank you for all the help you are out there for all us individual traders. You're number one. Thank you so much for thank that. You. And I love the soundboard. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So my question go. is today on EQIX, it's looking good to me over here. Yeah, so I, I can't recommend you. it. It's just up so much. If I say let's buy it right here, I mean, the thing is just on a tear. But I do like it very much. That's how I'm going to put it. Now we're going to go to Jason, Arizona. Jason. Hey, how you doing, Jim? I'm doing well, Jason. How about you? I'm doing pretty well, too. It's nice and sunny out here, even in the uh, last day of February. <laughs> Can't be done. So, uh, I have a question regarding uh, the stock for NC, uh, I-N-F-Y. Um, oh, and the smart consulting company. I've liked it. You know, literally, I've liked this one for, it was like the first company that I have, I discovered it, well, like many other people, because uh, it's based in India, when I realized, wow, these guys are just a great way to do business. So I like the stock. Let's go to Sam in Colorado. Sam. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Sam? Jim, I'm all right. I just want to talk to you tonight about a company that I don't think is getting the credit it deserves. You know, one thing that's going on across our great country right now is we're seeing a buildout of single-family homes and industrial plants all across True. the country. It's onshoring, you know, continues to be a thing that's happening. So one of the things that going into all that construction is steel rebar. And despite the steel industry seeing a little bit of a slowdown, commercial metals company, ticker symbol TMC. Oh, it's a winner. You know what? Here's the problem, Sam. I know this is going to sound like a cop out. It's a very boring company and people don't like boring, but it sells at a very inexpensive price. And I think you're right. I think it's a winner. Let's go to George in Arizona, please. George. Booyah, Jim George from the Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, or should we be calling this the Valley of the Chip? Jim, we've had huge expansions with On Semi, Taiwan Semi, but I want to ask you about a local company, Amcor, A-M-K-R. Huge expansion out here. No, no you got a winner. Again, that you're absolutely right about everything you said about the semiconductor industry, and they are integral, and you are in the zone with that one. Let's go to Lou in Connecticut. Lou. 
Oh, hi, Jim. <laughs> and expect you so quick. Uh, Jim, I just wanted to ask you about arm holdings. Um, you know, it's had a good run. I just wanted to know if you think uh, I should, you know, buy some more at the current price. Well, I'll tell you, it, there is going to be what's known as a lockup expiration where SoftBank is going to be able to sell a lot of stock. I think they will sell a lot of stock if you want to buy some right now and then wait for that that uh, lock up to end, that would be the best way to do it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Now heard a lot about the fabled GLP-1s, the weight loss wonder drugs from Eli Lilly and Nova Nordisk, taking the world by storm. That's why I can't wait to see tonight's documentary about these particular drugs by my colleague Melissa Lee. It's called The Big Shot, and it's on tonight at 10 p.m. Since this is mad money, I want to talk about the best ways to invest in this amazing wave that's sweeping the globe. First, as the documentary shows, these drugs are big, and I mean really big. In this country, more than a third of our population is obese, more than two-thirds are overweight. That's a lot more than the 5 billion people who are currently taking these drugs. Second, what matters for the moment isn't demand, it's actually supply. And Eli Lilly is the only company that can afford to provide the supply of these drugs, and they're doing it by building the necessary plants. Novo Nordisk doesn't even have money to do it. Hey, nor can this Viking Therapeutics that everyone's so excited about, even though their drug's only in phase two, and their share offering today cratered the stock. That's why I stand by an idea that I've been hearing from legendary investor Ken Langone for a very long time. Eli Lilly will be the first drug company to reach a trillion-dollar valuation. That's almost $300 billion above where the stock is now. Third, and perhaps most important, I believe there's something going on here that isn't talked about enough. The fact that these GOP-1 drugs are really about willpower, two kinds of willpower. There's a gigantic industry devoted to promoting diet and exercise as a way to lose weight. We know diet and exercise can work, but there are many people who lack the willpower to maintain that kind of regimen, hence why more than 100 million people in the country are obese. Diet, in particular, requires a massive amount of willpower. And as a country, we're pretty judgmental against those who don't have it. That's awful all around. But it's the truth, and you and I have to accept that that is a reality. Again, this is mad money, not mad body positivity. What these GOP-1 drugs do is turn the entire health and wellness paradigm on its head. Most humans don't have enough willpower to maintain a proper diet and exercise, though it, even though it makes a difference. These drugs, on the other hand, give you the willpower. The willpower not to eat fattening foods. The willpower not to drink liquor, which is largely sugar and real bad for you. Of course, that comes at a cost. The people who are successful in these GOP-1 drugs don't get much joy out of food. Nothing tastes special. And liquor doesn't have much taste at all. That means it doesn't take much willpower to avoid the stuff, and you end up losing weight real fast. That's the secret sauce to destroy obesity. As tonight's documentary shows conclusively, these drugs can also prevent people, especially younger people, from getting type 2 diabetes. We know who has the propensity. Why not nip it in the bud with a one self-administered shot a month? Since the drugs make you feel full by dinner time, any decent-sized lunch fills you up for the rest of the day. They also have another downside, frailty, because you lose equal amounts of fat and muscle. Dinner typically contains protein, and you need protein to maintain strength. That's why Abbott Labs is so smart to offer this pro, uh, Protality protein drink that I mentioned earlier in the show. Can it move the Abbott Labs needle? If these GLP-1 drugs are as big as I think they will be, the answer is yes. Oh, and I'm unremitting in my fear of the processed food and beverage stocks, even as they all claim that they haven't seen any decline in sales because of the GOP-1s. I say, of course not. I get that. It's too early. 
But if you have endless willpower, you're not going to be eating Twinkies, think Smucker, and you aren't going to be pounding down liquor, think Diageo. Those are the kinds of stocks that I think you can't own. Look, this is mad money, not mad diet and weight loss. But I thought it'd be appropriate prelude to Melissa's amazing documentary tonight at 10. These drugs are game changers. There are so many other conditions caused by obesity that can be knocked out. Many of those conditions are fatal. The GOP-1s will eventually come down in price and they'll be covered by insurance. It's a big reason why we own both Lilly and Abbott Labs for the Travel Trust. And it's why I think you should own them, too. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 